Welcome to Holy Savior Sermons, bringing you the weekend sermons given at Holy Savior Church. Well, good morning again. As we gather here this morning, we're going to kick off a new series for the month of August. To do that, let's just start with a prayer. Father God, we thank you for the gift of this day, for the gift of your amazing grace and love for us in your Son, Jesus Christ. Bless us, Lord, as we hear your word, as we reflect on your word and what it means for our lives today. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right, because school is about ready to get started again, we'll start with a question this morning. Because teachers always like to ask questions, right? So your question for you is this. It's a deeply profound question. Well, maybe not. What is one group to which you belong, and what does it mean to belong to this group? Think about that just for a moment. One group that you belong to, and what does it mean to be part of, belong to this group? I mean, we belong to all kinds of different groups. I mean, some groups are more traditional groups like clubs, maybe a bowling league, you know, maybe you ride motorcycles, you know, like part of a motorcycle riding group. Maybe you're part of a skydiving group. Some of you are like, no way. Not at all. You know, and then we got places on social media. You can get connected to groups on social media. You know, if you're on Facebook or something like that, you can be part of all kinds of different groups. Talk about politics or sports or whatever the hot topic may be. Or like, you know, I'm connected with a coffee group. No surprise, right? On Facebook. You know, there's groups that we belong to. In high school, part of the group that I was a part of is because in high school I was in ROTC. We talked about this after worship with some folks, after rehearsal. You know, and in ROTC, the Reserve Officer Training Corps, Army One, I was in the with arms drill team. So it means we got to wear those hot wool dress blue um, suits in the hot Arizona sun. And so we learned to do a lot of things, like get hit in the head with a rifle because the guy that was spinning the rifle didn't spin it right. And so instead of going straight and nicely spinning, it lobbed like that. And foolish or smart or brave, I was the guy that stood in the middle with eight guys around me. And so every time the two guys would lob a weapon, one would go in front, one in back, I would turn. And then this one guy, I won't tell you his name, but we had a name from after that. He didn't do it right, and that weapon, like that. <laughs> Big old knot in the head. After that, I wore a chrome, you know, collar guard helmet. You know, groups that we belong to. I belonged to Boy Scouts growing up. I loved being part of Boy Scouts. I learned to tie knots and, and love, had a love for camping and being outdoors and, and helped to rebuild trails. I, I fell down a mountain in Boy Scouts, had heat exhaustion in Boy Scouts. But I also learned things about life and leadership in Boy Scouts. You know, we are a part of groups. We are a people, and as people, we often find little communities that we are a part of. So as you think about what groups you are part of and what it means to belong to them, what those connection points are, it's going to lead us to another question. I told you school's about ready to start, so let's kind of get our brains back into asking questions. You know, and the next question is this. What do you think of when you hear the word church? Get that some thought. You know, I didn't grow up in the church really, and you know, really got involved in church in my end of my middle school years, going into high school. My friend invited me, and we were actually part of a group that did some stuff. And he invited me, I came to church, and the next thing you know, I was part of a church. Well, what comes to mind when you think of the word church? And that's part of what we're going to explore over the next number of weeks. You know, what is this thing called church? Well, for some of us, when we hear the word church, you know, what comes to mind is something like this here, this building. 
Because this is the church, right? If I sometimes say, I'm going to go up to the church, I mean, I'm going to come to this building. Or like often when I'm getting my hair cut, people will ask, like, so what do you do for a living? And I say, well, I'm a pastor, if I'm being nice. If I'm not, if I'm being a little honorary, I'll say, I'm a spiritual engineer. <laughs> and if you'll say, well, what's a spiritual engineer? I said, well, I, I engineer, I help develop spiritual lives. And then they just kind of look at me and I said, I'm a pastor. Like, oh, okay. But, you know, and, I, and they say, which church? I said, well, it, it's the one on 10th and Superior. And they think for a second, you mean that, that white building? I said, yeah. And they're like, I always thought that was a bank. And I'm like, how does that look like a bank? I don't know how it looks like a bank. It's a big cross, but it looks like a bank. But we hear the word church sometimes, you know, we talk about the building. And whether the building is Holy Savior, you know, for somebody who grew up maybe in a small rural community, the church was, as tradition was at that time, the church was maybe a white building with a nice big steeple and maybe even a bell that would ring, you know, so that everybody in the countryside would, you know, know that this is church. And the church is not only, you know, a building, you know, the church is also location. There's that building, that white building that looks like a bank on 10th Superior Street. But those bells that would go off, which when I was in the Czech Republic in Poland this, this last month, a lot of them said, you guys don't have bells in your church? I said, no, we don't have bells in our church. Some of the old country churches have bells. We have no bells. Like, well, how people know that it's time for church? Because that's the other thing, right? When you talk about church, you talk about what time is worship. And I tell you what, if it's 1031, you're going to be late. Or you're going to crawl out of bed and say, I want to watch live stream today. But we talk about church, we also talk about, well, when we gather here for worship, we gather around God's word and God's sacrament. And, you know, whatever time worship may be, or even if you watch it later on in YouTube, you know, we talk about that time that we are in God's word, reflecting on this word, celebrating that word, lifting our voices in song and celebration for who God is and all that he's done for us. And like today, you know, we receive the gift, you know, in communion. But what does that word church really mean? Well, we're going to get into that a little bit more. We're going to take a look at these words of Jesus in a few moments. And we'll put these words into context for you here. This Jesus is, has these guys they call the disciples. There's 12, the immediate disciples. And it's kind of like school. I mean, a disciple is, if you don't know the word, a disciple really means a learner or a student. And Jesus was a rabbi. If you know the Hebrew for rabbi, it means what? Teacher. So for three years, they're going to school with Jesus. Now, unlike school that we might go to, where you go to school maybe Monday through Friday for a few hours out of the day, and maybe do some homework, they're living and breathing with Jesus for three years, day in, day out, from all the daily routines to, to those amazing moments when they've seen Jesus do things like enable the blind to see, you know, the deaf to hear, the mute to speak, where he has taken someone who is, you know, maybe lamed and unable to walk and, and has said, you know, stand up and walk, and they pick up their mat and they go home. Or there's been a crowd of people gathered around, and they're getting hungry. And Jesus, you know, tells his disciples, give them something to eat. Like, we don't have anything. And then Jesus takes, you know, the two, you know, bits of fish and, and bread that he has, and he feeds thousands of people. They, they, they've seen their teacher raise, you know, dead people back to life. But here in this moment, Jesus has brought them to this community called Caesarea Philippi. Now, these disciples, these are good Jewish Hebrew men. 
They have a certain faith practice and certain things that they involve themselves with and certain things they avoid being involved with. And being in a place like Caesarea Philippi was not the place to be. It's kind of like a number of years ago when we were in Amsterdam. We had a layover and the Polo mission trip. And I was more concerned about making sure that our team of people got to where they needed to be, that I was not looking up in the windows. And evidently some of the team members were. They said, do you realize where you walked us through? I'm like, I have no clue. I was just paying attention to the people on the street to make sure you all stayed together. They're like, yeah, we walked through the red light district in Amsterdam. I'm like, oh. <laughs> you know, this is kind of the red light. This was not the place they wanted to be. The, 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 the things that were going on here was not a place a good Jewish man would come to. And yet Jesus brings them to Caesarea Philippi. This is also the place where it talks about, you know, the gates of, of hell or the gates of Hades, depending on your translation was because there was this, this cave, this hole, that the people believed was the gateway to hell, to Hades. It's where they worshiped the Greek god Pan. So this was a place that was considered very, you know, evil. And Jesus brings them to this location. And then he asks this question. I told you, you know, it's, it's school time, so he asks the question, who do people say that I am? And how do they answer? Well, some say you're John the baptizer or the Baptist. You know, some say you're that prophet Elijah or the prophet Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. You know, come back to life. By the way, by this time, John the Baptist had been beheaded. And then Jesus takes the question. He makes it more pointed. But who do you say that I am? And then, you know, the guy, I wonder, like, what was Peter like? Was he the guy in class that was always answering the teacher's questions, you know? I don't know if you were one of those students in class. But he's like, oh, I know, you know, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus says, you know, Peter, God is not, or you have not done this by your own human power or will, but God has revealed this to you. And then he says these words here to Peter. And let's read these words together, Matthew 16, 18. You are Peter, and I can guarantee that on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not overpower it. Wow, there is so much in these few words of Jesus that we could spend hours exploring. Because it's a hot day today, let's just spend hours in the cool air conditioning and we'll explore it some. <laughs> so you send me, I'm in, and then we're like, no, I got, I got places to be. Um, we're going we're gonna to take some time over the next several weeks and explore this some more. But as we do that, you know, what is Jesus saying here? You know, you are Peter, you know, and I can guarantee you that on this rock, this, this confession that you make, Peter, I will build my church. So what does Jesus mean by the word church? Now, you should know, and so here's some, again, if you like etymology, here's a real quick etymology of the word church, really quick. The word church most likely is related to the Greek word Lord, and from that Lord, the root is the root word is um, the word the Lord's house. The Lord's house, root word is Kyrios, Lord. And so when it came over to the Scots, it was a word that they called Kirk. And so you could see where the word church comes out of the word Kirk, which means the Lord's house. But this is not the word that Jesus uses, though we translate it as church. The word that Jesus uses is used a number of times in the New Testament, Old Testament, in what's called the Septuagint, which is the Greek translation of the Hebrew Old Testament, this word called ecclesia. Now, how do you define ecclesia? Ecclesia simply means a group of people called together for a purpose. 
Just like your bowling league is a group of people called together for a purpose. Or your motorcycle league, or your skydiving league, or your underwater basket weaving need group. You know, you call together for a purpose. And this word is used in many secular ways. A group of people called together for a purpose was a court hearing. Much like we'd have today is a group of people called together, especially if you're on jury. Anyone ever been on jury duty before? Anyone enjoy being on jury duty? <laughs> for the longest time, Arizona kept asking me to be on jury duty for like a decade or more. My mom would keep saying, he doesn't live here. He doesn't live here. He lives in Nebraska. He's been living in Nebraska for a long time. You know, it's a group of people who have a purpose. They're gathered for a reason. So it's a group called together. Again, in Scripture, there are a number of times this word is used, and it's not translated as church. Depends on the context. Let's take a look here. Acts 7.38. You can read this with me if you like. This is the Moses who was in the assembly in the desert. Guess what the word assembly is in the Greek? Well, yeah, not church. It's ecclesia. Yeah, it's a word ecclesia. It means a gathering of people. The people assembled in the desert. Speaking about when Moses was leading God's people out of Egypt into the wilderness towards the promised land. They assembled in the desert. Or Acts 19. There's a couple of verses here in Acts 19. We can read together. The crowd was confused. Most of the people didn't even know why they had what? Come together. So here's a group that gathered together, had no idea why they gathered together. Because sometimes people gather together and have no clue. Why do we gather together? And as they gather together, this you know, story is, in Acts continues. Next verse here, 39. If you want anything else, you must settle the matter in a legal assembly. Again, like a courtroom with a jury. You know, this is a group that would have a purpose to settle a matter. And then Acts 19, verse 41, wrapping this encounter up. After saying this, he dismissed the assembly. So he dismissed this gathering, this ecclesia of people. It's a great word. And it is a word that we sometimes in our translations, you know, translate as church. But what really does this word mean for us? You know, back in 1969, in an album called Abbey Road, if you know that group that wrote a song on Abbey Road, they wrote it in support of a politician who was running against, in California, this guy named Ronald Reagan, Tim Leary. And so John Lennon wrote this song called what? Come Together. And it, 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 it really is a sense of the same idea. Of, uh, let's gather together. Let's gather and rally around this guy named Tim Leary and the ideals that he supported, whether you like those ideas or not. But that was what the song really is written about. And so when Jesus speaks these words, and that's translated as church, he speaks about you know, his ecclesia, his assembly of people. You know, what does it mean? What is this assembly of people we call the church? We call this assembly of people of the church. It does mean, you know, yes, people who have gathered to worship. It does mean our building, our location, this name that we have, Holy Savior Lutheran Church. But much more than that, it goes back into the words that Peter says and what Jesus says about Peter's words. That ultimately, we are a community of Jesus followers. We are a local community of Jesus followers. 
And so we hear this as, as Paul writes. And Paul says, you know, to the church in Philippi, he's saying to the community of Jesus' followers in this region of the world, to the community of Jesus' followers, to the saints, you know, in, in Rome or in Corinth, we are a community of Jesus followers here in this little part of Lincoln, Nebraska at 10th and Superior Street. But those words, Ecclesia, the, the, the church sometimes is also a capital C. That this is the church, the church all over the world. The church that, you know, we help support with the mission work of, you know, helping with the English camps in the Czech Republic in Poland, supporting the missionary Chelsea who works in the Czech Republic, but really all throughout Eurasia. The church that we are connected to with believers all over the world that we don't know. And it really is a community of Jesus followers. Of those who confess, like Peter confessed, that Jesus, you are the Christ, the Son of of a living God. And in confessing that, believe that the purpose for God's sending his son, Jesus Christ, was that his love was so immense, so profound, that he did not want to leave us, leave humanity in a sinful situation, but instead sends his son to live for us, to die for us, and to rise that we have life in his name. So when it says the gates of Hades will not prevail against his church, he's not talking about this institutional church, but ultimately those who've been called and gathered in the name of and by the blood of Jesus Christ, those who are called, who are baptized into the name of Jesus, those who are called to live in and to share his love in the community of followers, this community of believers, but also who go out from that community and share that love in the various groups they were a part of, whether at school, at work, whether it's sports teams, or anything else that's going on in our lives. We are the community of Jesus' followers, called by his grace, called by the power of the Holy Spirit, called to gather in his name, and sent out to share his love. It really is, as we say, you know, what we're about at Holy Savior, just much like the disciples. We are a community of Jesus' followers who are growing in Jesus and sharing his love. So over the next number of weeks, we're going to pull this apart. We're going to look at this a little bit more, what it really means for us to be this church, this people gathered as followers of Jesus, living in and sharing his love. Let's pray. Lord God, we give you thanks and praise for the gift of your amazing grace and love for us in Jesus. Bless us, Lord, as we gather now at your table. And then in a few months after that, you send us out into our community and world. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. For more information about Holy Savior, including service times and location, please visit holysavior.org. Thanks for listening. And until next time, God bless.